0: Seeking for the help of the Lord, I direct your prayer for attention to Paul's second epistle to the Corinthians, chapter 6, and reading for our text, the first part of verse 7. The first part of verse 7, by the word of truth, by the power of God. 2 Corinthians 6 and 1st part of verse 7. In writing to the Corinthians, the Apostle begins this chapter with beseeching them that they receive not the grace of God in vain. You might think, how can we receive the grace of God in vain? Well, if a person is quickened by divine grace into life and they are spiritually alive, they are born again of the Spirit, but then they don't pay attention to the word preached, they don't join with the people of God, they mix with the ungodly, they don't read their Bibles, they don't pray. They don't use the means of grace. Or it may be they do attend unto the preaching and do read their Bibles, but they never seek the power of God attending the word. That same power that quickened them into life, which we read of the Ephesians, the same power that brought up Christ from the dead, is used to quicken a soul, but we need that power still right through our lives. We've sung about seeking patience and not being able to to have it at all. Recently in preaching we've said, before you the way a pilgrim should walk. And we may have then set before us right things, good things. But if we only rely on our own strength, our own ability to walk in those ways and to follow those directions given, then we shall not have that strength and power and benefit at all. And this is why our text this evening is these two things together, the word of truth by the power of God. The Apostle, in the first part of this chapter, he seeks to set before them all the things that are accompanying a minister or himself specifically. In fact, he's leading up to be able to then say to them in verse 12, you're not straightened in us, but you're straightened in your own bounds. In other words, he has done diligent search as a minister. Is there lack of fruitfulness? Is it my fault? Am I not walking rightly as a minister? Am I not rightly putting forth the word of God? Or is it how they are hearing? Are they straightened in themselves? Is it how they are walking and what they are doing? And so the first part, he really looks at his own path. Many things make a minister, not just one. He says in verse 4, "...in all things..." approving ourselves as ministers of God. Uh, and there he says in, in in patience, in afflictions, necessities, distresses, all these things that are bound up with him. And some of these we, we little see in our day, but he, or at least in our land, but he knew all of these things as he went forth, not counting his life dear unto him, he suffered much for the truth. Um, and then he, he says, by pureness, by long knowledge, by long-suffering, by kindness, all of these things, you might look at all what he's putting. Okay, this is making up a minister and his message. But in our text, and what's upon my spirit, is the need of power. It's not just a matter of receiving grace and new nature, And then we just listen to the Word of God and just apply it to ourselves and use our own strength and own power as if the only time that God put forth his power in the believer is when he first quickened him into life and then the rest of the time is up to himself because we will prove and we will know that without me, as the Lord said, you can do nothing And the vital necessity, like he set forth in John 15, of being united to the vine, no fruitfulness unless there is sap and power and strength coming forth from Christ. And so then the Apostle is setting the Corinthians to examine themselves, and he's obviously looking at the relationships they were having with those that were not the Lord's people, they were unequally yoked, and the effect that that was having on them, something that was undermining the preaching of the word, though it was the truth and though it was in power. So I want to look at the word before us and thinking of these two things that that need to go Together, if the word is to be effectual, thinking of a minister's part in bringing forth the word and then the hearer's part in hearing that word and the need of truth and the need of power in both. So I want to look firstly, and you might think this is a strange point, but what a minister knows of his hearers as he goes to preach. And then secondly, a minister's care in preaching, and predominantly this is, in the words of our text, care to preach the word of truth, and the the way that he preaches does not undermine the power of God. And then, thirdly, a minister's and his hearers' need of needs for any blessing, and that is the power of God. Without that power of God, there will not be blessing, however much truth is being set forth. So, I want to look first at. What a minister knows of his hearers as he goes to preach. Now, I'm not meaning this, that a minister needs to know about where they live and what money they have in the bank and what sicknesses or trials in their families. Solemnly some ministers won't visit their flock because they don't want to know about them. But if we are preaching the truth and relying on the power of God, then it doesn't matter. In fact, a a pastor should know about his people and his people should know him as well. There's no reason for not having a fellowship and a union one with another. The blessing on the word doesn't rely upon the minister not knowing anything about his people. Sometimes, It might be part of that blessing that the minister didn't know, but the word should be able to be brought to address the very needs and path of the people. But what is upon my spirit is firstly that when a preacher goes to preach, there may be those in his hearing, and he does not know who, that are dead in trespasses and sins. They have no hearing ear, they have no spiritual life at all, but he is commanded to go forth into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. But he's got to remember and think that actually there are some here that though I speak, and they hear outwardly, they cannot hear inwardly. They are dead, and the dead know nothing. And yet my command is to preach, and the preacher must know that faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. A person might come into the assembly, dead, in trespasses and sins, and through the ministry, The Lord bless him with or her with eternal life, open the ear, give faith. He is the author and finisher of faith, and his faith comes by hearing, and they go out a different creature, a living creature. And so the preacher is mindful of this, so he's not going to be completely cast down as if it's his ministry at fault because the dead don't hear or don't respond at all. It is again for him to remember and to know that the work of God is a sovereign work. It's a work that God himself determines as to Who shall be saved? We read in Ephesians, according as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. When our Lord was preaching in parables, then he opened up to his disciples what they meant, they wanted to know, But they asked him why, why did he preach in parables? And he said that to you it was given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it was not given. And it is then the sovereign work of God. The Apostle Paul was concerned with his own people and the questions, things that were Being raised up as to why the Jews had not received Christ and why they had not believed for the most part. And he says in Romans chapter 9, verse 6, not as though the word of God had taken none effect. It wasn't because the word There's something wrong with it or with the preaching or the word wasn't taking effect because God said, My word shall not return unto me void, it shall accomplish the thing whereto I sent it. And he might say, well, well, why aren't they saved then? And he says that the reason is, for they are not all Israel, which are of Israel, neither because they are the seed of Abraham are they all children but in Isaac shall thy seed be called. And so then he sets forth the uh, mystery of God in in, in election, in calling, in choosing uh, a a people for himself. So he says uh, that Jacob have I loved, Esau have I hated. So then it is not of him that willeth, nor of him that runneth, but of God that showeth mercy. And so the minister is to to realise this. In the early church, when they went forth and preached, we read that some believed the word spoken and some believed not. And then in another place, as many as were ordained unto eternal life believed. And the preacher is to realise that. That though he is the messenger, and though he brings forth the word, Yet the issue is with the Lord whether this shall prosper or that shall prosper, or both alike, or what the Lord will do with that word. It's also to then be mindful that there are those, and of course, it is those that are dead in sin that do not have faith as yet, maybe. The Lord will give them faith, will quicken them into life. And so we read that the word did not profit them, being not mixed with faith in them that heard it. So you have the truth of God, but where there is not faith and the word is not mixed with that, then it doesn't profit the people. He needs to almost also be mindful of that which... The Lord said of the scribes and Pharisees in his day that ye by your traditions make the word of God of none effect. And so some hearers will hear the truth but they'll put it through a sieve. Does it agree with our traditions? Does it agree with how we've been brought up? Does it agree with what we think the truth should be? And so it makes the word of none effect. They hear it, but it's lost its edge. It's lost its authority and power. And the Lord said they taught four commandments the traditions of men. And it is a good thing for a minister to to realise as he brings forth the word, it is being sent forth well, like the parable of the sower. There's the wayside hearers. There is the stony ground hearers. There is the uh, hearers that are receiving the word amongst thorns. And I think with the apostle here, with the Corinthians, speaking of uh, the ungodly that they're mingled with, it's like that. And then there was that in good ground. And the preacher, he preaches and he sets forth his word and sets forth the truth of God to all that will hear. He that hath not hear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches, the inspired, infallible word of God that is preached and set forth. And so it is good for us to remember that as we preach the word Not thinking then, and and really for anyone who is to speak to someone in the street about the truths of God, don't measure whether you've spoken faithfully or whether the power of God was with the word as to the effect. Because there will be those that just deride and mock And they go their way. And our tendency is to think, well, if we'd explained it a bit more clearer, they would have understood. If the Lord had put forth his power, but in the Lord's sovereignty, he didn't. And so we can have that thought even as a believer, not a preacher, when we're speaking to someone else, is to measure whether or not we bring forth the truth or whether or not the Lord is with us in that speaking by the fruit and the effect of it. But in their Lord's ministry, in the ministry of the apostles, they were precious truths. The words of the Lord were perfect and pure, but not everyone that heard them believed by no means. And so with the apostles, it was that he should then bear this in mind, but be very careful, especially in the two things that are in our text. I want to look at this. Secondly, a minister's care in preaching. So the first here, he says, by the word of truth. There are many different ways that the Word of God is set forth, whether the Word of God, the Word of Truth, the Scriptures of Truth, uh, that which was written aforetime, preaching the Word. But the Word of Truth is the Holy Bible from Genesis to Revelation, the inspired, infallible Word of God in the first place. But then it is how we use that. Comparing Scripture with Scripture, not like Satan, who said to our Lord, cast thyself down from the pinnacle of the temple, for it is written that his angels shall uh, give uh, charge over thee, lest thou dash thy, thy, thy foot against a stone, bear thee up in th- their arms, the Lord said, but it is written again, Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. And the chance to us is to rightly dividing, study to try, show thyself approved unto God, rightly dividing the word of truth. And we need the Lord's help and prayerful study to, to do that. And uh, that should be our care and to bring forth the truth. We think of the time when Ahab and Jehoshaphat went down to battle, and they had the 400 prophets of Baal to prophesy before Ahab, go up and prosper. But Jehoshaphat said, Is there not he a prophet of the Lord? And they had Micah, They sent for him and when he came he used a device which Ahab, he must have used it before with him because he virtually mocked him or sarcastically, go up and prosper. The Lord will deliver the Moabites into thine hand. And, And Ahab, he says, how many times must I adjure thee to only speak the truth. And so he'd used that method before. But it was a way of highlighting to Ahab, this is what you want to hear. Oh, I'll tell you what you want to hear, but I'll make it very clear that it's not the truth. And then when he told the truth, Ahab couldn't bear it, had him locked up, fed bread and water. And the men willing, the hymn writer says, to have the truth told, the sight is too killing for pride to behold. The fear of man bringeth a snare. But the Apostle Paul, he said that he counted not his life dear unto him. And so there are those times that we may well know the truth, but we hold back because of the fear of God. Not only what we say, but what we do, as when Paul Reprove Peter when he dissembled and separated from the Gentiles when those from Judea came, undermining the treatment, the teaching that that which God hath cleansed, call not thou common or unclean, as Peter had it shown to him with the vision of the sheep let down from heaven and then brought up again. Peter knew full well. What the truth was, but the fear of man, he did not walk it out. And sometimes we can be like a good man, Ahimaaz. Remember, Ahimaaz and Cushai, they were both to bring tidings of Absalom's death. Ahimaaz, he was very forward; he wanted to go first. But Joab said that thou hast no tidings ready. Thou shalt not run today, because the king's son is dead. Told him very clearly the king's son is dead. But when he came to David, Absalom's father, and had to tell a man that his son was dead, he couldn't bring himself to do it. He said, I saw a huge tumult but knew not what it was. Imahaz did know exactly what it was. He knew the reason why he hadn't been told to go and bear tidings first. Kushai was sent by Joab. Ahimahaz overrun him, got there first. When Kushai came, he was very, very clear. He was able to uh, tell David very clearly that Absalom was dead. And so he can have good men. And when they saw Ahimaaz running, the king said, he is a good man. And he had good tidings. But we can have a good man that only brings good tidings and is not a faithful man. And so the apostle here, it is vital the word of truth is set forth, the truth of God, the truth of sinners, the state and condition that we're in by nature. We're on the high road to hell. We're already under the sentence of death. Unless there is a change Unless we are converted, unless we are born again, we shall go to everlasting damnation and darkness. There is no hope outside of Christ. There is only hope in the Gospel and hope in God. Left to ourselves, we never choose Christ, we never embrace Him, we never respond to the Word at all. Our only hope is in the power of God and the blessing of God. Of God in His grace and in His mercy, and that expectation is in the gospel. You know, Jonah, the reason why he would not go uh, to Nineveh because he knew if God sent a minister there, then it was that he would give them repentance, and he did. Christ is exalted to give repentance and remission of Israel unto Israel or unto His people. The very fact of the gospel days, the very fact that uh, we are privileged to preach the gospel in this land is an expectation that all that come under the sound of it should have that hope that the Lord would bless them through the word, that the power of God would accompany that word and that they would be converted. And we should have that expectation and an eye unto God that he would so work in that way. Well, the minister then is to take very good care that what he brings before is the truth. Well, then it is, the second thing is that there be the power of God. You know, when we read the end of Gospel, According to Mark, we have uh, this verse, they went forth and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them and confirming the word with signs following, Amen. And so the towering at Jerusalem until they were endued with power from on high was so vital that there be the signs following, the success of the gospel, the blessing. And I believe those apostles, they went forth, not trusting in their bringing forth the truths or dividing the word up rightly, having the right emphasis or right points and the right subject, the right message but having an eye that the Lord would direct them where to go, how to speak and attend the word with power and authority that their eye be on this that without the Lord they could do nothing without his spirit there'd be nothing done No power, no effect, no benefit, no blessing. Sometimes we can say at the end of the service, Amen, and that the Lord would follow with his blessing, truths delivered in his name. Sometimes it can be just a habit that we do that. But we should reaffirm that, yes, that is what we need, that is what we want the Lord to follow with his blessing those truths that are delivered in his name. That is uh, what is so needed. And so that care that, that a minister has is that he brings forth the word in a way that is reliant upon the power of God. And so His desire is then not to preach in a way that the uh, cross of Christ, that it would be of of none effect. Now, we have the uh, Apostle Paul saying to the uh, Corinthians, I think it is in the uh, first first epistle to them, uh, that he preached in a way That not with uh, flattering words, not by the wisdom of of this world, Uh, he says in chapter one of one Corinthians, chapter one, and verse seventeen. For Christ sent me not to baptize, but to preach the gospel. And then he says, this not with wisdom of words lest the cross of Christ should be made of none effect. For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but unto us which are saved it is the power of God. Now that, of course, doesn't mean that he preaches in a very uh, foolish way, not in a wise way, because the preacher was wise, he sought out acceptable words, but What Paul means, he doesn't want to preach in a way that people say, oh, what a a wonderful voice, what a wonderful sermon, uh, what a great orator. Uh, And it has such an emotional effect upon his hearers that instead of it relying on the power of God, then there is great scope for it just to be an imitation just to be a natural response, a natural following. And he, he didn't want to do that. He didn't want to have it that the preacher was lifted up. He didn't want to have it that he had men's hearts in or in men's persons in admiration. No. And in a lot of ways, the Lord had so ordered it with the Apostle He said of the Corinthians that they charged him that his speech was contemptible, his bodily presence, it was poor. There was things, his letters are weighty and powerful, but when he comes amongst us, we look upon this man and this poor uh, example of a man and there's nothing in him to really recommend them. Men, you know, they like to go after someone that is imposing and good, a good voice and clear, and instead of listening to the word, instead of discerning the spirit that is working with the word and powerfully applying the word. And so, the apostle, he's not only mindful of things in his hearers, like traditions or like the state of their souls undermining the word the gospel he's bringing forth, but even himself, even in how he brings it forth, could could actually take away from the message itself. And so he is mindful, even in his preaching to the power of God. He wants it to be God's work, not his work. And he's not trying to do What is God's work? He's not trying to uh, change a heart that only God can do. He's not trying to give eternal life, which is only what God can do. But he's preaching the truth, and he's preaching it in a way that makes the hearers to realise they not only need the word of truth, but they need the power of God as well. They need not only a gospel that has a beginning, but continues right along. We think of Romans 5 when the Apostle says, if while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us, how much more then, being uh, quickened into life shall we be saved by his life? You know, if the Lord has begun a good work in us, he will continue it unto the day of Jesus Christ. And that continuing is in every word that is read, in every sermon that is heard, it is the blessing of the Lord that maketh rich, the blessing of the Lord, the power of God attending the word. And I wonder how much as preacher and as hearers, our expectation, our minds are on this. In a lot of ways it is reflected as well by our prayers our prayers, pulpit prayers, but our prayers in the study, our prayers before we come to hear, we are asking for the power of God. We're asking for the Lord to work through the Word and apply the Word. Sometimes we might have said, well, that was a faithful word, a good word. It was the truth. It was the Scriptures. But I've gone home. And I've tried to put it into practice and tried to walk in that way, and my sins still rise, I still are beset by them, I still are cumbered about with many weights, uh, I, I still cannot take up my cross. What is wrong? You might say, well, maybe I'm not a child of God, maybe I'm not one of God's people. That maybe it is. We've just been looking, well, we can apply the Word. We can take the directions and we can just do them without any help, any aid, any power, any strength from God at all. And the Lord will show us and prove us that we cannot do that. We need the Spirit with the Word. We need the blessing of God with the Word. And so Paul has these two things. He brings these two things together in our text, to describe his preaching by the word of truth, by the power of God. He desires to preach by the power of God. He desires to preach that the power of God might be put forth with the word of God and that the effect of it might be to the honour and glory of God. And when that power goes forth, it goes forth sovereignly goes forth where the Lord would put it, to one person, not to the next. Maybe another time it will be to the the next person, but for that time not. It's like when Paul was preaching, tried to go into Asia, forbidden to do that. You say to go into Bithynia, the Spirit suffered him not, and then come over into Macedonia and help us. The Lord directing at that time, where he even preached the Word. But later on we have the seven churches in Asia, so the Word was preached to them in the Lord's time. So then these two things need to be in mind by the preacher, also by the hearer as well. So then to look at our third point, a minister. A minister's need and his hearer's need for any blessing, the power of God. I wonder how much we are really persuaded of that—a truth so clearly set forth. But unless the Lord's blessing, unless the power attends it, there is no fruitfulness. There is nothing done. And for the people of God. We mentioned John 15, how vital for fruitfulness that they cleave to Christ, that there is a a wellspring of life that is springing up within them, they're living souls. And you think of that chapter, John 15, and then you join that to those same people that are cleaving to Christ Those same people that are receiving the life and power from him, they're the ones that come and hear the word. They feed upon the word. They walk in the ways of the Lord. And the secret is that they have the Lord with them. The apostles, the Lord working with them. And so with the hearers as well the word profiting them. Why? Mixed with faith. The Lord then bring forth a people that are an obedient people, a people, as he says, my sheep. They hear my voice, they follow me. Where the word of a king is, there is power. And so is a vital thing that whatever precept we have set before us, whatever warning, whatever direction, whatever path we have set before us, that our thoughts are, and put it into prayer, Lord, this is the way that is set before us. Do bless me in this way. Apply the word with power and give me grace, strength and ability to walk in this way that soul, them will realize they don't have any strength themselves they don't have any patience they don't have any ability to resist the devil they don't have any ability when we come to the whole armour of God take unto you the whole armour of God they haven't any ability in themselves to take the sword of the spirit which is the word of God uh, to take the helmet of salvation uh, to take those weapons, spiritual weapons, and wield them without the Lord. The Lord has so ordered the Gospel and his people in their lives that they cannot do without him. They need to live a life dependent upon him for everything, every grace and every favour comes to us through Jesus precious blood and is imparted. He giveth grace, He giveth grace for grace, He giveth more grace. And all of this is this is power, this is blessing imparted by God. And yes, often it is joined with the word accompanying the word sometimes comes through the word, but inseparable, Light with our text, the word of truth by the power of God. You know, when the apostle, and they preached to those at Thessalonica, they were able to describe what happened when the gospel came to them. In his first epistle, chapter 1, he says to the Thessalonians, for our gospel came not unto you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Ghost and in much assurance, as ye know what manner of men we were among you for your sake. Again, there's a drawing to what he was. That They were poor sinners, they were poor preachers, that they they could bear witness what they were lying. That was not what converted them. It was the power of the Holy Ghost that gave them their assurance, that made the difference. Ye became followers of us and of the Lord, having received the word with much affliction, with joy of the Holy Ghost, and all the time there's joining with the Holy Ghost, with the power of God. We need to be really reminded of that. Our poor, fallen nature, wants to be independent and separate of the Lord. But the Lord is so ordered, no fruitfulness, no effect, no blessing, no comfort, no profit, following the preaching of the word, however, much it is a word of truth, except it be attended by the power of God. So may our expectations be put in the right direction and as we give attention to the word, may our prayer be, Lord, do bless it and do give the power of, with the word may the Lord bless the word then this evening Amen